0: Now, this morning we want to continue on the subject that we've been talking on the believer state and standing. In our last message that we gave to you, we saw in there that this, we were ready, waiting, resting and hastening and released, yet were constrained. We're singing of victory, yet we're groaning. We are dying, and behold, we live. We are sorrowful, he tells us in Second Corinthians, yet always rejoicing. And yet he tells us in Second Corinthians 6, we are poor, and yet making money rich. We have nothing, yet we possess all things. How long is this going to continue? Our gaze is looking above on the eternal as a super historical. We're looking forward to that eternal as the end of history. But it is now we are living in the now, the present. Now we are living by faith, and a hope and we have this all at the same time by faith and a hope but someday we're going to be relieved from this tension the day is coming when all this tension will be taken away what is what are we looking for then Ah, oh, this is when faith and hope will be turned into sight. And as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, now abideth these three, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Why? Because after that we are made like unto his glorious body, do we will not live by faith, for we will be with him, and so shall we ever be. We will not be looking for a blessed hope. We will already be in that. But love, the greatest of all, will continue eternally. So we find now that day is coming when all this tension, state and standing, it will be no longer a state down here, which seems to be paradoxical, to uh, uh, what we preach, but it isn't. It just simply shows the believer's state and the standing. Oh, aren't you longing for that day when there will be the relaxation from all this tension? Why the tension today? Because sin is still in the world, and we're in contact with it daily, and since our old nature is still with us, and it is very dominant at times but one day that's going to be taken away and it's all going to be a new thing when the state will be that eternal standing in christ jesus and that standing becomes the reality so what are we looking for Ah, we're looking for that blessed hope. In Titus 2.13, he said, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. And then in Philippians 3rd chapter, the 20th verse, our citizenship is in heaven from whence we look for the Savior Jesus Christ who shall change, that is, metamorphose, will change these vile bodies of ours and fashion them like unto his own body of glory. That is the blessed hope. And we are told to be looking for that blessed hope. This is the rapture. At the rapture, where this is all going to be changed. Now, we find that with this, there are three features with this body of Christ. The rapture, and the first resurrection. Now, well, he doesn't call that in Thessalonians. And I want to go into 1 Thessalonians with you uh, this morning and in that fourth chapter. In the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians, and notice these verses 13 through 18, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them who were asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also who sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them who are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, And with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Now, this is the Greek word harpazo. Now, people object to the word rapture because they say that word cannot be found in the Scripture, and that is true. The word rapture cannot be found in the Scripture. But the word caught up, and that's the Greek word harpazo, and that is in ecstasy and joy, will be caught up, be snatched away with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, this is direct. These are the direct statements of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. And so the first thing that we uh, uh, that uh, that the hope of the church is the rapture, this is called the blessed hope, but after that, what after the what, what about after the rapture? Ah, oh, but I go into second Corinthians and in the fifth uh, chapter, and in the tenth verse, we are distinctly told. What is going to take place? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body. According to that, he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, when he uses this word, uh, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, that word, "appeared" there, means turned wrong side out. We must appear. In the Old Testament offerings, they were flayed. The animal sacrifice was flayed. It was turned wrong side out. It was a type of Christ as He was turned wrong side out uh, when He was uh, before God because laid bare before the Heavenly Father, for there was no sin in Him. Now, beloved, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we shall all appear. In other words, we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body. What is it? They'll be turned wrong side out to see what was the object of, of their serving the Lord. If this served in the energy of the flesh, it will be brought out because everything will be turned wrong side out. And you will be uh, judged there as to what your intentions and your objectives were in the serving of Christ. Have you served him after the flesh? Have you done this to get glory, to get the praise of men? Oh, God forbid! I, I am sorry to announce it this morning, but in the most of the serving today, it is in the energy of the flesh. After the direct words of God in the Scripture, and yet we find people wanting to change the Bible. How many translations do you hear of today? It seems like all, every time you turn around, somebody isn't satisfied with the translation, so they come out with a new translation. And they all they talk so so pious about it, it helps to understand. Oh, my friend, this morning, the King James Version, now we're not saying that it is inspired of God, but nevertheless, the King James Version has stood the test down to centuries, and it is uh, it is one of the most beautiful, it is, why I think, one of the nearest to the original. However, there may be some mistranslations in there, but certainly uh, we find that it was good enough that in uh, the years past people were saved by Athenians, at are people so far advanced today that they can't believe the Word of God as it is written here? Ah, but here they're going to be turned wrong side out at the judgment seat of Christ and there they will find out whether it has been to the glory of God. Were they actually interested in a clearer translation of the Bible? Or or have they done it in order to receive more money? Is it a monetary thing? And I believe that in many of these translations, it is only a monetary thing where somebody can make a load of money out of it. Well, we find that this is what the, the three things, the three features of the hope of the church. The rapture, the judgment seat of Christ, and then the coming rule in the heavens. Now, if you go with me to Second Corinthians, the sixth chapter, and verses two and three, and listen to this: in Second Corinthians six, uh, he says uh, he says in there that are in first I'm sorry in First Corinthians. The sixth chapter, and there in verses two and three. Listen to him. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world, that is, the cosmos, the whole world system? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know you not that? Now notice the change of pronouns. Know you not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Know you not that we shall judge angels? Now where, are, where is the abode of the angels? It's in the heavens. The saints will judge the cosmos. That is the whole universe. Now, we are definitely told in the 19th chapter of Matthew in the 28th verse that the twelve apostles were set upon twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. This is definite. While they are judging the twelve tribes of Israel on the earth, then we, whose citizenship is in heaven, will be judging the angels. So you see the cosmos will be judged by the saints of God and the company of saints, Israel, be judging those on earth while members of the body of Christ will be judging the heavens, in the heavens. So these are the three features of the rapture of Christ. We know that now this is the dispensation of the grace of God. And in Second Corinthians the sixth chapter, and in that second verse, we are distinctly told that now today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, now is accepted time, for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I helped thee. Behold. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Yes, this is the dispensation of the grace of God. And now, beloved, at this very moment, this is the accepted time. You say, well, not now, uh, but I expect to be in the future. Oh, I expect to be saved before I die. What assurance do you have of the next moment? I have heard just lately some very dear friends of ours who were members of our church back in the city of Evansville. One of the precious saints of God was out washing his car. And moment and just an instant, he had a heart attack and was gone. What assurance do you have of the next few minutes? Today, now, is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time, this very moment. Oh, Christ died for you, sinner friend. And uh, I don't know who you are, God knows, but you are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Yes, we believe this from the depths of our heart. God knows, but I don't. Therefore, I am asking you this morning, this moment, now, at this accepted time, and we trust the Holy Spirit to take this message and burn it into your hearts that now, today, is the day of salvation. It is the accepted time. And then, I want to bring to you again the, the next thing I want to bring is the nature of this rapture. In the first Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and in the 51st verse, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will first arise then we which are alive and remain will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Oh, listen to this. Now Paul tells you by the Holy Spirit, Behold, I show you a mystery. Well, now, someone says that this can't be, that that there's no such thing as the rapture, that the rapture and the second coming of Christ are one and the same thing. Oh, but, beloved, this is not one and the same thing. There is a, there's a great tribulation that comes between, and uh, the body of Christ has been promised distinctly to be delivered from the tribulation to come. We're going to be caught away. We're going to be caught away. That is the blessed hope. Are we to look for the tribulation and that being a blessed hope? No, no, no. Our blessed hope is we're going to be delivered from this. Now, he says, behold, I show you a mystery. Now, if the coming and this mystery of us being caught up uh, if it was foretold before the Apostle Paul, then it wasn't a mystery. No, he said, I behold, I show you a mystery. And then he goes on to tell us, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and the mortal put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Thanks be to God, who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now they see Isaiah prophesied this, so it was made known. of ah, the resurrection. Resurrection was made known. And we do not find in this that he calls it resurrection. No, he says we're going to be caught up. Behold, I show you a mystery. There's something of a mystery of this rapture of the church that wasn't given to other ages. Of course, the corruptible putting on incorruption and through resurrection, that was prophesied. But this mystery is that this body of believers is going to be called out, and they're going to be taken away out from among the dead before the tribulation begins. Now, notice he said, I show you a mystery. And then at First Thessalonians 4, 16, and 17, the Lord Himself will descend from heaven. Now, at the second coming, at the second advent of Christ, it isn't the voice, the Lord, the shout of the Lord Himself, but He sends His angels. So we see that the rapture and the second advent of Christ are not one and the same. This is the Lord Himself. And then again... We are told in 2 Corinthians 5, which is the great commission for the body of Christ, and there he says, "...He hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them." All oh, beloved, in this dispensation of the grace of God, God is not imputing the trespasses against them, but in the tribulation their trespasses will be imputed unto them. So we see the tribulation and the rapture, uh, or the uh, church is to be delivered from the tribulation when God will be imputing trespasses. No, in the day of grace. Now while he is ministering and calling out this body of believers, known as the church which is his body, he is not imputing their trespasses unto them till they have been given every opportunity and then will be brought out uh, those who would believe in him and would be baptized into the body of Christ and become a member of that body. Now the rapture as to its uh, nature is of a fivefold event. It's a catching away, a catching up. It's a transfiguration or a metamorphosis. It's a triumph, and it's going to be blessed, for he says, looking for that blessed hope. Oh what a blessed hope that is ours. Let's notice the catching away. It's a catching. We are a taking out of all distress of soul and body. If we turn to 2 Corinthians the fifth chapter, verses two and four. 2 Corinthians 5, for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. This is at the rapture, when that spirit and soul will be clothed with a resurrected body. There will be a sanctified spirit, a sanctified soul, and a sanctified body. And in the fourth verse, For we that are in this tabernacle do grow. Why are we groaning? Our bodies are purchased potentially by the shedding of Christ's blood on the cross of Calvary. And so we're going to groan as long as we're in this. Ah, but this body is God's purchased possession as we are told in the first chapter of Ephesians verses 13 and 14 And so we're sealed unto that day of redemption. What is that day of redemption? The redemption of this body. It is purchased. And why does the whole creation groan and travail together even unto now? What are they doing? Ah, he says, to wit, the redemption of the body. The earth will keep on groaning. We have said this time and time again and we repeat it again and again. This old earth will keep groaning. Our bodies here while we're here on this earth we're going to groan. Why? Because this old earth is holding that purchased possession. We have been saved experientially. Spirit and soul has been saved experientially. But this body, if the Lord doesn't come soon, it must go back into the earth and await the time of the rapture when their bodies shall be changed. The corruptible, that means those that have seen corruption. Those bodies must be changed. They must be brought uh, up incorruptible. And this mortal, that means these that are living when he comes, when that voice of God shall sound, the voice of the Son of God will sound, and we'll be caught up, and the mortal will put on immortality, the corruptible shall put on incorruption, and we're going to groan until this take place. Oh, but he said not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Oh, what a blessed thing. Then in Philippians 3.21, he says, These vile bodies shall be changed. They shall be fashioned like unto his own body of glory. Now, just to think, do you see why this is called the blessed hope? The nature of this rapture? Because out of all persecution and oppression by the foe, out of the entire sphere of sin and death. And thus it is rest. It will be rest for the saints of God. All that's in the day of that coming redemption, as he tells us in Ephesians 4.30 and Romans 8.23. This will be an act of divine grace. This is that grace of God. This is that grace of God which will appear unto us when we are changed and made in the likeness of the blessed Son of God. We shall continue this message next week on the rapture. And we have just simply given to you this morning the catching away. Now, in our next study, we'll be speaking to you on that catching up, the catching up, and uh, the transfiguration, the triumph, and the blessedness. But you may be listening in this morning, and you don't know anything about Christ in you, the hope of glory. My unsaved friend, if you don't know him, if you've never received him as your Savior, you have no hope of glory. Christ must be in you, and that's the only hope of glory that you have. When I ask you, are you saved? You say, I hope so. What do you have to base your hope upon? There can be no hope, sinner friend, except Christ, Dwell in your heart by faith, and that's your only hope of glory. All we beseech you by the mercies of God today that you hear his voice, and that you realize that now is the accepted time. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the day of the provocation when he said, Forty years was I grieved with that generation. Oh, that God may not be grieved with you this day. Christ has spoken unto you. If you hear his voice, won't you heed to that voice this morning? Yes, the responsibility is upon you. You are responsible. You hear the word of God. You heard that Christ died for you. And so God will hold you responsible. You have heard this. What are you going to do? What are you going to say to him? Would you say, yes, today is a day of salvation. Now, until next Saturday morning at this same hour, this is Otis Watson speaking for the Berean Bible Church, and we are saying goodbye till we meet again. God richly bless you.